Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, welcome to an, another episode of Conversations About Light. Um, I'm here with Mark and Josh, both pastors here at uh, King's Cross. Um, before we get into it, um, Conversations About Light, what's, uh, what's behind the, the name? Give our listeners, our, the um, community here at King's Cross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope it's a little bit clever. We're not. We're not sure. We'll. We'll see as we go along. But the idea is that we're going to be chatting through a text and sort of looking at maybe what what we're seeing there, what light are we seeing there, what what do we notice, and uh, it'll follow our series, our sermon series on a Sunday. So it's basically to get questions going, get awesome. get the brain thinking, and sort of discuss what what are we seeing and what what might we notice, and what what applications might there be. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Yeah, Josh came up with the name. We we're talking about what, what can we name a podcast that's about the Word of God, and, and the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our way. And um, he quickly came up with the idea: what about conversations about light? It's beautiful. Which, it's got so many different aspects. It's like Jesus' burden is light as well. So yeah, yeah very, very uh, intelligent um, name. Oh, we can unmute me again. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's jump into Luke sixteen. This is a reading from Luke chapter 16, verse 1 to 17, in the English Standard Version. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill. And sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, 
You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. In light of uh, this text just read, what are you guys noticing within it? Um, well, this text it can be quite stinging because um, it immediately talks about money and possessions, which is something which is central to our culture and context. It's hard to live in Perth and um, not come up against money and possessions. So how close to home does this get? Well, each person's going to be different. I think for me and my heart, I, I really have to be open to what Jesus is saying. And mm. to be honest, uh, I think it's quite radical. Um, there's this idea that, I think Jesus is introducing this idea to his disciples that um, for a limited time, uh, we are given management of God's possessions. So in this lifetime, um, we get to decide what to do with some of the things that mm. God places into our hands. So there's this master, which represents God. There's this servant, this manager, which represents us. And then there's this kind of, you need to prepare for yourself a home because this is going to end. There's a, you know, there's a line in the sand and this will end. And the, the point there is, you know, prepare for yourself friends, make friends who will welcome you into heaven. Um, use money in a way that benefits those, um, many commentators that would, would think that the friends there are talking about the poor, those in need. Mm. Um, look after them. Use the possessions God has given you to take care of others. And then um, you will have friends in your eternal home uh it's a very radical idea about money and possessions which isn't uh at all like how we think about it in our culture what about you josh yeah i think i agree it's it's, it's quite a stinging um passage in some ways when you think it through i, I like that he's waking up in, in a sense he's like has this moment of um whoa i have to give an account yeah and i think that's kind of part of the sting of this passage as well is that he kind of comes to this moment of, well, what am I doing? Uh, and it's it's in a temporal sense because he's going to get fired and that's his end point, I guess. I'm going to lose access to all this stuff and uh, and then I'm going to have to beg. I can't, I can't do that. I can't dig a ditch. Um, so I think it's very, it's very stinging like to try and apply that to yourself. Like have I, am I uh, realizing how like final death is, you know, the kind of, line in the sand you talked about I think and so I think it does hit close to home when you start to think about most often we tend to be asleep to this you know we're like not thinking about what's coming what's and so I think Jesus point is is really kind of to to the disciples saying are, are you are you thinking this are you aware that this is how life works this is this is the real reality um, not not kind of just day-to-day life can kind of blur into um where we think it's it's all here and now, and, and this is kind of, that's why I think it's so stinging, yeah. Let me ask you, mm. um, Jesus makes this, uh, <laughs> it almost sounds, he makes this good, he makes this point, but it sounds like a bad thing. He says the, the kind of the sons of this world are more shrewd with their generation <laughs> than the sons of light are. Yeah. Um, and the idea there that we should be more shrewd uh, yes. with money and possessions. What is he, <laughs> that sounds terrible. What is he talking about? Before you answer that, yeah. what what is shrewd? Well, it's wily, it's foxy, it's it's 
Yeah, you know, Jesus. I think of Jesus' other statement about being as innocent as doves but as wise as serpents. I don't think he's, you know, the biblical narrative speaks of serpents as Satan. I don't think he's saying you believers like, act like Satan. He's, <laughs> that's not the point. And so the shrewdness can seem like, uh, well, be wily. Like this guy, he deceived. He stole some money and, and kind of he's being shrewd. He's using everything at his disposal to uh, leverage favor later on. And so that's the shrewdness, you know, just – like kind of this, uh, and I think he just, as he's describing it, it's the idea that do you use everything at your disposal for leverage for what really matters? And so the, and that, that's why this passage is sometimes quite hard because people go, ah, oh, I should steal money and give it to God's kingdom. <laughs> is that being shrewd? No, no. He, he later on, you know, it's very clear about um, dishonest, the dishonesty and that sort of, the, but the, the kind of point of this parable is the shrewdness. I think that's one of the main points. And that's how parables function. They give you that, like, uh, the parable of the sow is not about farming as much as I'd love it to be, uh, that God's calling me to go and start a farm. It's, it's parallel. It's alongside. And the, the kind of story of this tells us, like, well, wake up. Um, do everything you can. Like, use whatever is in your leverage, not for temporary things, but for eternal things. And that, I think that's what the... Why the, well, that's how the shrewdness aspect of this works to me is like it's, Jesus is pointing to: Are you le- do you leverage everything you got? And, I, and I, it's specifically about money, but I think it it kind of goes right through your whole life. You know, in which how do you use your time? How do you use your giftings? How do you use your money? Mm. All of it. Do you leverage it f- towards adoring God and loving Him and and in investing in eternal things? Yeah. yeah. And the um the managers in the day would. By having this manager of your your money and possessions, the mani- the owner could then go and do other things as well, and so the manager was given this kind of authority over those things. So, so this is to to your point that you know mm. God's not calling us to um, do illegal things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> where we go like rob banks to get <laughs> yeah. money uh, so that we can put it in heavenly storehouses. Yeah. It, it's just simply you know you've been you've been given this in your life. By the owner, you might have little, you might have much, and later yes. we see that it yeah. says, you, you know, um, if someone's faithful with little, they'll be faithful with much. It's, it's like a character; it's in your character. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you have; it doesn't matter what money yeah, and positions is in your life, how much time. Maybe you got a short life, maybe you got a long life, maybe you're healthy, maybe you're sick. It, it, those things don't matter uh, in in terms of this passage. What it's saying is, how are you using what's being put into your care? Um, towards, like you've said, those yeah. things that really matter, your eternal home and where you will live forever. Um, how are we doing that? Yeah. Um, you made a comment when we were talking about this passage about, uh, it, and it comes, it comes a little bit lower down, but mm. money and you, you have this uh, sentence of, um, let me read it, wealth makes you its servant. <laughs> now, no one in Perth wants to be anyone's servant, um, yeah. Wealth makes you its servant. What does wealth makes you its servant mean? I think that's how Jesus lands this. It's, you know, you can't serve both God and money. And and the point of storing up all the wealth, like this manager seemed to be doing quite well. He seemed well off, you know. Mm. But he he reached a crisis point where it was all going to he was going to lose it all. And 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 that's how money functions. You can store it up as much as you want. And even if you're the best at it, if you win all the toys on earth. If you're Bill Gates or someone or a billionaire, at the end you die and it crushes you in a sense because if it doesn't crush you while you're alive, it's all gone at the end anyway. And so you, 
either serving, you're giving yourself to it, you, everything becomes about it, and you serve it. But the point is, as a master, it's, it's brutal. You know, you, it actually will um, ruin you for eternity. It possibly can ruin you for eternity you know, if you don't handle money wisely and, and well. So that's why I think Jesus is flipping the perspective on money, that it's, it's temporal, it's disappearing, it ought to be used uh, to serve the king. I mean, I find that amazing that Jesus is suggesting in this passage that you can turn temporary wealth, mm. earthly wealth, into eternal wealth. Mm. If you think about that, that's quite phenomenal. And you can also, your temporary wealth can turn into nothing. Mm. And so there's kind of this, there's a great sort of question in that, like, wow, my, my what I own, what I have, what I use, has the potential to store up treasure in heaven, as Jesus puts it in another place. And that's kind of, for me, is that that's one amazing but scary, you know, and like it kind of poses such a question to me, like what or how do I, how does all this function? Does it master me? Do I become its slave or does it, does it serve God and ultimately um, put something in, into eternity? Um, and what's, what's maybe shocking for our ears is that either way, we are servants. <laughs> yes. Like there's no there's no third option. Yes. Uh, you serve one or the other, but in both situations, you're a servant. Yeah. Um, which is striking and offensive and yeah. brutal. But it but when you think about how the Bible thinks about servants, servants have great license with what is in their care and hands. Mm. And so, like you've just said. You even the possessions, the money, the time, the talents, the gifts—all yeah. these things that are ours are, are not ours, and yeah. we will give. They will be given back. Yet in this lifetime, we can store up for ourselves treasures in heaven through the means of the things that are in our hands. That's that, like you said, that's quite yeah. surprising and shocking, but also delightful that servants who are accountable to a master, one way or another have the opportunity to invest in their eternity. Yeah. Where they actually, and the, and the scripture says it, where they once were serving and then they are given what is their own. Yeah. Um, which isn't, you know, that's just such a, a profound kind of conclusion that in serving God with everything that's his, he in turn looks at his faithful servants and says, yeah, let me give you something that is your own and yeah, there's nothing wow. more than himself. Yeah. I'll make myself your own. Everything that's mine wow. is yours, and you know. Yeah. What What are a couple of um, filters that you guys run that train of thought through? Like, if we're trying to save up our or use our wealth for eternal um, glory mm. or for for the kingdom, uh, you mentioned earlier, Josh. Um, what are some like values that you filter yeah. through through that thought process? Um, I think probably a couple things. One is is everything belongs to God, and that's a kind of a filter, <laughs> which is a hard hard filter to put on because we kind of we're in a sense like the manager asleep at the wheel. Sometimes you know he's like, "Oh, it's all great, it's all great. I'm just stealing the money. It's all good. It's all mine. I'll use it how I want." And then he gets comes to this like caught out moment, and I think the filter which would have rescued him was, "This is not mine." Yeah, this is all God's. And so I think that is a huge filter, uh, which, I, you know, I struggle with to keep my filter keeps changing. But in, all, in, in way of, by way of reminder and like to think of, to learn to think of, well, it all belongs to him anyway. And 
and how I sort of use it up is is important. I think another filter is, you know, James James talks about a double-minded man being unstable in all his ways. And then I think this kind of points to like a double double-hearted person. You can't serve God and money. Sure. You know, d- there's, there's two heart desires here and, and Jesus is kind of saying, well, they, you're going you're gonna to collapse onto one of them and you can't live with both of them. And I think that's a great filter as well. Like my heart is wants to be in two places. I, I do have a desire for God, but it, it also wants to desire the things of this world. And so pushing pushing my my budget, my spending, my everything through that filter as well. Like, well, is my heart for God's things first, or for my things? You know, like, am I am I double double hearted? I think is a good <laughs> a good phrase. Am I double hearted with it? Uh, let me just add. I think I heard yeah. RT Kendall say something like, um, "He God wouldn't let him be wealthy because he couldn't handle it." And I think there's that, yeah. you know, yes. in our culture, everything's about more, more, more. If I had more, I'd give more. If God blessed me in this way, I would sow it into, you know. And, and we're always waiting. And there's some there's some good research to show that basically everyone thinks that if they had thirty to fifty percent more, they'd be able to live the generous life right. they want yes. to. Which you know, and they've shown you know, to, to an escalating degree, the wealthy still feel the same. So no one ever gets enough is the point. And Kendall was wise enough to go, you know, um, my life's comfortable, but God won't let me be wealthy because I actually, I'm, I'm not going to be a good steward of wealth. I'm going to struggle with it. It's gonna, I'm going to want to serve it. So God has given me how much I can handle and how much I can steward. And so I think it's good for all of us to know whatever we have, whether we're wealthy or poor, that's, not, that's, that's of no... Yeah. That's not the point. Um, the point is that whatever you do have, yes. that's all you can steward. Mm. Yes. And that's what you have the grace to steward and you don't have to wait for more or less. If you have a lot, God will give yeah. you a lot um, of grace to be faithful in that way if you want to be. If you have a little, God will give you a lot of grace to be faithful in that way. Right. Um, but we can today we can radically respond to how to faithfully um, use what God's put into our, our lives and our hands. Yeah, it's a great and I think in the West we we fit into the top five percent of wealth in the world. If you're living in Perth, you you fit into that bracket, and and so you, that's there's a complexity there. Like, what do I do as a wealthy person? You, you may not necessarily feel wealthy emotionally. You might feel bankrupt, <laughs> or you may feel like I don't have my, I don't have enough. But actually, we do. And I think this is Jesus's teaching on what to do if you are rich. You know, it's like, how do you handle that? What what do you what are you doing? So going going to those kind of questions you asked Caleb about, well, what are the filters you run these through? So there's a kind of a, an idea that Jesus is pushing against the wealthy often in Luke, and it's like, you know, the rich is hard to enter the kingdom, and and it's kind of this this push on like, well, wealth can deceive you and really lead you away from the kingdom. But then, what do you do, like us, and that's us, right? <laughs> if you do have wealth. And I think this parable speaks so richly to that. Like the framework for the wealthy is just frame it as it belo- all belongs to God, yeah. and it and it, and it, I don't want my heart to get deceived. Yeah. Right. Um, it's kind of like Jesus note Jesus parable to the rich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what to do if you are? Yeah, we we've covered quite a bit in a short amount of time. Mm. Eternal consequences, like how the scripture uh, reveals character, it reveals who we may be serving. Um, so just trying to land land this week, um, what do you want us to leave this conversation thinking about? 
um, I don't want to. I don't want anyone who's listening to this to feel burdened or threatened. I think there's an opportunity that even in the way that Jesus tells this parable where he says the master heard that a servant was wasting his possessions. You know, I, I just want to come out and confess I regularly waste the master's possessions, yeah. whether it's money, possessions, time, affections, gifts, talents, thoughts, affections. This can be said of me that I waste the master's possessions. Hmm. There's an opportunity here to hear Jesus and to say, Lord, help me, you have set the example of using your life for the sake of the kingdom. That's what the gospel is, a life lived for the will of God with an eternal perspective. So Jesus, I need your guidance and your help and your spirit to teach me and lead me to open up my hands and to show me the opportunities around me. So I think what I'd want, I don't want, to, I don't want a heaviness, I want people to uh, know that this is an opportunity if you find yourself like me, with an accusation, my servant has been wasting my possessions. Okay. Um, so the question I think I, would, I'd, I guess I just want think, people to think about is, um, are you ready to totally revolutionize your relationship with money and possessions? Are you, are you willing? Are you ready to learn what Jesus teaches about money and possessions, which will be totally different to our cultural culture and will um, be wonderful but challenging? Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. 